0: Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker betting show. This is the day two of Glorious Goodwood Preview, the Wednesday racing. I'm your host, George Eddick, and I'm joined today by two expert tipster guests, Andy Holding and Rory Delagi. We've just recorded the day one preview. So if you're listening or watching this before Tuesday's racing, then make sure you go back and watch or listen to that. We exchanged pleasantries on there, so I'm not going to bother doing so now. We spoke to Rory about the weather forecast, which suggested it might start being softish on Tuesday and then dry, drying, I should say, uh, throughout the week. So we're expecting drying conditions going into Wednesday as well. and a man in some decent form at the back end of July too. So some good tips in that first day. Do make sure you go and listen or watch it. Or if you've already had days one uh, racing, hopefully you're coming back to us because we tipped up some winners uh, but we'll get into the racing fairly shortly. We're going to be previewing the first four races of the day uh, and then any other business for the last three for Wednesday's racing. Uh, before we, we do get into the racing, I'm just going to come to you both because it's something we didn't mention necessarily uh, in day one. And Rory, I'll come to you first here. What kind of horses are you looking to back at Goodwood? What are the quirks of the, of the course that you normally look to I don't know, make the most of when it comes to your own punting?
1: Yeah, it's. I think it's a, always a slightly tricky one in terms of of um, of pigeonholing horses who are suited by the track. You've got to have a horse who's well balanced, um, but then again, you don't tend to look for horses who are not well balanced at at other <laughs> tracks, do you? It's it's one of those. All horses are theoretically well balanced, so they're not running in decent races. Um, yeah, it it has um, significant ups and downs. Um, you need to be able to, um, to take a, a, a good position as a rule, although there are plenty of races at Goodwood where they go, they go hard and, uh, horses can come from, from, um, uh, from difficult positions. So uh, so jockeyship's hugely important in that regard. Um, you know, jockeys need to, need to decide whether they're going to, to go forward early and take a good position or whether their, um, their plan of attack is to, is to sit off the pace and look to make the run at exactly the right time. Um, there was one, one meeting at Google a few years ago where Ryan Moore um, was absolutely on fire, where he mostly came from out of the clouds to, to win races. And it's just a case of, of knowing, you know, where they've gone to strike too fast and then having the patience um, to, to sit off that pace and come very late because, you know, if you, if you, um, if you ask for your for your challenge too early, Um, you're going to peter out by the line and if you come too late then you you risk looking a fool uh, by finishing fast and and uh, coming third or fourth um yeah but in terms of of the horses that are suited by the track you've you've got significant downhill sections so you've got to have a horse who's uh, who's shown the ability um to to keep a straight line and be able to handle um that kind of track um but generally speaking um you know, it's it as with most um, top meetings, uh, good horses tend to come to the fore. Um, so you've got to you've got to treat them as individuals.
0: Andy, anything to add to that?
1: No, I think Roy's always covered, covered it mostly.
2: I mean, I, I mean, we've only just had Royal Ascot and and, um, and the Newmarket July meetings. So you've you've got strong form lines there. And me personally, I'm looking obviously at the races that were good on the times. Um, they usually go a fair gallop at Goodwood there's always a bit of a rush to try and get to a position where you get jockeys riding from draws to trying so so that they never normally slowly run races at Goodwood. Um, and if you've got a combination of a horse, perhaps that's run well at Ascot and has got form here at Goodwood as well, then all the better. They're not, they're not all going to fall into that category. But, um, if you, if you spot something that has shone in under those circumstances and then the price is right, then, um, you know, that, that's, that's, that's half the battle. So yeah, just, a, just a few fun, fundamentals. And then you add on top of that, the draw and the ground and, and, uh, you know, whether yards are in good form or not, you know, we'd look, look towards the obvious Mark Johnson uh, routes and obviously yeah, the, the Appleby team seem to be in fantastic form. So yeah, yeah, if you, if you, you've got a f- four or five key factors before you start, um, before you start off in marriage races.
0: Well, let's get into the racing itself then. And before we do so, I'm just going to point the listener or viewer yourself uh, in the direction of the OddsChecker app for the best prices, which we'll be talking about today. The best place terms, crucial in these big festivals, uh, the best bookie offers and free bets and the best tipsters as well, including Andy, whose columns you can find on the OddsChecker app every morning of racing at around 9am, the first and best place to get Andy's tips before the prices start moving at about 902 uh, we'll get into the racing now, and we're recording this just after one o'clock on Monday. So final decks are just through. The odds checker grids and the app are kind of repopulating now. So bear with me in case there are any gaps there. I'm going to try and give you the prices as they do come out. And the first race of the day is the Unibet 15 to go handicap. And the favourite at this stage is uh, Nagano at four to one, Siskiny. Is five to one. Khaleesi six to one. King's Prince nine to one. Glen again ten to one. Pleasant Man, uh, Fabulous uh, Pied Piper all twelve to one. Fourteen to one. Bar, Andy, can you get us off to a flyer on day two?
2: Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, I talked about some of those um, bullet points um, before dealing with the opening race, and there's two or three that um, things I mentioned here that, that um, crop up. Um, it was a surprise that. Charlie Appleby didn't actually win the, the King George Handicap at, um, at Royal Ascot, given how dominant he's been in that um, department this season. Um, mm. Not only has he had the derby winning in Adari, the King George winning with the same horse. Hurricane Lane has carried all before him. Kamari won the um, the big staying race. Um, not to mention Mandora as well. Mandana Mandora, who's won two for two and beat Mojo Star on debut. I mean, he, he looks a phenomenal beast. Um, and he had three or four... Also, certainly, Godolphin did anyway in in the King George, and Siskani was the the closest they got. But Siskani was one of those ones that, from a wide draw, never got any cover. I think Will Buick, if he would have had his race again, would have tried to get in the pack and get get him to relax and settle better than he did. But considering he pulled so hard, his finishing effort wasn't that bad, to be fair. And he only actually ended up getting beaten a length and three quarters or a length and a quarter by the winner, Surefire. But he kept on all the way down the straight. I liked his attitude. He'd never shirked the issue. Um, and I think with a better run-through, um, you know if he settles a, a little bit uh, better this time, I, I could see him being a factor. The, 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 the other point to make with him is he's a soft ground winner. He won at Sandown the time before on soft ground. And he beat Surefire first time up at Windsor as well. So I think his body of work is pretty useful. And we know that he handles a big field handicap. And, of course, Charlie Appleby trains him. So <laughs> he's the kind of horse I want to be backing in a race like that because I do think he's got a bit of a class edge. I actually don't think this race is anywhere near as strong as the the Ascot race, barring Khaleesi, who has parachuted in from from beating, funny enough, one of uh, Charlie Appleby's last time out at Salisbury. Uh, and obviously Nagano represents the same form line. But beyond that, I, I thought this was... Fairly weak, so I, I don't mind backing the top uh, top weight in a race like this. So, yeah, five to one, do you say? Uh,
0: four to one. I don't sorry, five to one. Yeah, five to one. Is
2: that four, four places, or is that just three? four
0: places as it stands? Yeah,
2: yeah, hell's
0: that Hales,
2: ben victor. Well, he managed to finish in the first four at Asgard. And that now, because oh, that was a much better race, and he's got his mm. condition, so yeah, and he's not that much big, uh, shorter in a weaker race. So, yeah, I'll be all over Cisco on the each way there.
0: All over Siskani in the first there for Andy five to one four places uh, Rory. Uh,
1: I would I would um, prefer uh, Siskani over um, Nagano who's been favourite for this race. Um, Nagano was sixth at Royal Ascot and he the pair of them met trouble. Um, Sir Lamarack, when he came through hung badly to his right and there was there was a fair bit of scrimmaging in the last furlong, um, and um, I think a lot of people. Came to the conclusion that Ghana was unlucky there. I, I think the would have been fourth with a clear run uh, rather than sixth. And I think on that basis, if he did finish, you know, third or fourth um, at Royal Ascot, he wouldn't be a, a really short price for this. But I think everyone picked up that he was a little bit unlucky and that he was staying on quite nicely, and and then he gets um, he gets um, badly bumped. Um, but so did so did Siskini. Siskini, Siskini was also intimidated by that, and I, I would say um and he's he's two pound worse off for that but I think he's got at least as much chance of confirming the form um so it wouldn't surprise me if Siskin he was favorite for this but I have to say Andy's given him a mention already I really like Kalisi here I think there's there's a huge amount more to come from Khaleesi um this is his handicap debut um it's not an it's not an obviously kind handicap mark um uh looking at you know taking a snapshot of it from from um uh, when he won his maiden. Uh, but the horse he beat that day, uh, Marching Army, he was a 33-1 to one shot. Um, he went on to win a novice as his next start by three and a half lengths, uh, and and he's been given a, an opening mark of 87. Um, Khaleesi's also rated 87, despite beating that horse um, very comfortably by two and a quarter lengths at Salisbury. And the, the, the key to Khaleesi is that on pedigree, he wants a mile and a half to a mile and six. Um, he's by, um, Harzans out of a German bred mare. He's a half brother to a mile and three quarter winner in Buriram, um, and everything about his pedigree suggests that he's not going to show his best form until racing over a mile and a half. He actually was dropped back to a mile for a second start at uh, at Nottingham and was unlucky not to win that day. I think you're on that race again, uh, and a bit more use is made of him. He would have won and he's then improved to win over a mile and a quarter at, um, at Salisbury um his best effort to come and softest ground unsurprisingly given his pedigree uh, so conditions should be should be perfect for him here and i think he's going to improve um, a good 10 pounds or more for stepping up to a mile and a half um, for the first time as i said his form is working out strictly speaking others have achieved more but by definition others have had more of a chance to achieve more by running in good handicaps um this is his first chance but everything about him suggests that um uh he's been laid out for handicaps and 87 I think it's a very workable mark to start off with. Um, Tom, Tom Markhand again on board writes good good, extremely well and um, William Haggis is one of those yards that you know you can you can tend to rely on them um to keep going forward uh, and to be very well placed so although um the pair um who were who ran well at Royal Ascot have, have um have got better form in terms of the ratings and the book I just think Khaleesi's got an awful lot of scope for improvement compared to most of these.
0: Khaleesi, six to one, best price at the moment. Fred Betfred, Betway, the firms out with their prices, currently six to one. But as I say, these are early, early prices. So the, they could change a fair bit by the time you are listening or watching this. Uh, hopefully in our favour, but you never know, I might be a few points shorter as well. But Khaleesi there for Rory, six to one. Siskini for Andy, five to one. A couple of strong selections to get us started on day two, uh, on then to the Whispering Angel Oak Tree Stakes, the second race on uh, on Wednesday, I should say, and um, we've got Vadrim is the seven to one joint favourite with Sacred uh, Valeria, Messalina eight to one, Bounce the Blues and Lavender's Blue both nine to one, Hyper Princess and Onassis both ten to one, 12 to one. Bar Rory will stick with you for this uh, second race on day two. Uh
1: Vadream is the, uh, is the selection for me in this. Um, she's been, um, she's been progressive uh, this season without getting her head in front. She ran an absolute cracker um, at, at, at 50 to one when, um, when third in the uh, Fred Darling and that's a race that's worked out really well. The first, second and third of all, have all boosted the form since. Um, she didn't stay uh, when tried in the guineas um, and she's run two very, very good races since um third in the jersey um was probably her best performance on paper um <coughs> and then dropping back to six furlongs last time out uh she was a good second in a competitive um summer stakes at york now i think what she wants is a sharp seven furlongs uh i thought she i thought the the seven of the um of the jersey just found her out in the end she looked to be coming with a with a winning run uh, for a long way there uh, given a typical um jimmy spencer ride creeping into it mm. apparently traveling best of all and then i think she just didn't quite get home over the stiff seven uh whereas dropping by to six last time i was probably on the sharp side for her she was doing her best work late on there uh, i think the seven at um at goodwood on on easy grind will suit her down to the ground and i think that gives her a, a decent chance of winning here again there are one or two with um uh with similar um form claims. I really like Highfield Princess, but stall 17 uh, means she's going to have to work really hard to get close to the front. Um, she was really impressive with Royal Ascot. She followed that up in a listed race at um, uh, to Chelmsford last time out, but I think the running she'll have to do from Stall 17 probably counts against her here. Um, and Lavender's Blue is a uh, is a mare I've liked for a long, long time, but whether she wants seven furlongs is very much open to debate. She stays, she stays a man in a furlong well. The issue with her is is that she's a weak finisher she tends to travel really strongly in her races and then not really find off the bridle um, and i can see why they're dropping her back to seven furlongs but for me i think whatever trip you run right you're going to get the same thing she's going to travel strongly and she's not really going to get home i don't think it's a stamina issue i think it's just there are just horses who are weak finishers and she's one of them which is a shame because she you know she travels like a like a, a group one filly a lot um but you know and you can see from from the prices she's traded uh, in the past that she's often looked dangerous. I didn't think she got a great ride, when she was fifth at Royal Ascot either. And I think she's got the ability to pop up in a in a, um, a decent race, but I wouldn't want to be back in a, a reasonably short horse here because I don't think um, seven furlongs on, on easy ground will actually suit her particularly well. So uh, for all I've been with her um, several times in the past, I'd have to pass her over here. And I think um, uh, Vadrim looks really solid. You can give a chance to Valeria Messalina who's been disappointing uh, on the holes, and finishing a really good second in this last year. Um, she did bounce back to form at Ferry House last time out in the Brinstein Stakes, but she might be at her very best on, on quick ground. Um, and whether it's, whether it's dried out enough for her in the day, uh, is open to debate. She's nicely drawn and stole three. She was a tongue tie for the first time, interestingly, despite having mm-hmm. run a, a cracking race last time out. Um, but again, I'd be a little bit wary of backing her unless I knew the ground would come in her favour.
0: Vadri the selection there for Rory with a couple of others uh, mentioned. Vadri is seven to one at the moment, and a horse that you had on side uh, back in May, Andy. Didn't you, you put Vadri up for the Guineas, um, where you know she was fairly well beaten in terms of placing, came sixth, but only three uh, and a half lengths behind Mother Earth. Um, you're looking to side with Vadri again here.
2: I, I certainly think it's uh, a, a decent shot by by Rory. Uh, I think you've, it's almost your starting point really, Vadri. Mm. You know she's contested some of the best finished races so far this season at Group One level, he acquitted herself as Rory said with with great distinction. Um, I, I was in agreement with Roy what he said when he commented on she didn't quite get home behind Crazy Force. Um, Graham obviously was just probably one of the contributing factors along with the stamina issues over that stiff seven. Um, you could argue that she kind of like has hung the latch a little bit. A, a finishing effort at your you know didn't exactly. To scream at you that um, you know she's um, she's necessarily um, made of stern stuff. I, I, think, I think I don't think she's got a, I don't think she's got a backbone as as tough as others. But there's no doubt that um, her ability should see her there or thereabouts. I think Jamie Spencer and quite enjoy this um, this project. Whether whether his supporters all have the same. Uh, view, having, trying to watch Jamie Spencer weaving his way through a field of 17 at Goodwood. That's going to be a bit sort of like beyond the back of the sofa job. Um, but I do think, yeah, I think the should be should be favourite on balance. But going back to that race at York, um, the big eye catcher for me was Anasis, um, who was definitely closing in on on the Dream over an adequate six furlongs. I mean, she she can win over six furlongs, Anassis Anasis she, she's done so in the past. But I think I think seven furlongs is her ideal trip. I tried her over a mile first time at Ascot. I think she needed to run after that big layoff, but stiff mile just just catches her out for me um, at, at the very highest level. Um, but she was very, very good, very silky smooth when she won here at Goodwood towards the back end of last season when she had cut in the ground. I think seven furlongs, cut in the ground is absolutely up Anastasia Street. She's had a couple of runs now. I I, I, I genuinely believe this, like, this is the race that they've targeted. You know, Philly's only race at Good, back at Goodwood. The rain's come. I mean, that's co- coincidental, really, whether the rain has come or not. They, they can't predict whether the rain will come or not. Um, but the fact that it has is definitely music to Charlie Fellows and connections his ears. I don't really mind about the draw with her either because she's a hold up horse. She, it's not like Highfield Princess, as Groy says, who's a front runner, who's drawn Soul 17. Um, you know, when you're going to use a petrol truck, try and get to the front, she's going to be dropped out anyway. Um, now, it'd be an interesting little battle between those two, Vadrim and Anassis, who's got the requisite stamina and who's got the will to win, coming off a good a good pace. Um, and at the prices, I'd probably sooner be with Anassis.
0: Charlie Fellow is an absolute clover. Um, hearing that you two both talking up his chances here on Wednesday at Goodwood, uh, Anassis is uh, 10 to yeah, 1. Course, as, both, as yeah, fine, yeah. I, um, yeah, of course, they're both Charlie.
2: Yeah. They're both Charlies.
0: They're both Charlie, yeah, of course. Yep. I've known I've known Charlie for a long time, and and I know that he did. Whether he normally listens to this podcast or just listens to it because you put up his bad dream in the Oaks, I, I know that he saw that and was pretty chuffed. So hopefully he hears this as well and knows that, you know, both uh, you know he's going into this one double-handed, uh, going into uh, with odds Checker selections into the second race, the Whispering Angel uh, Oak Tree Stakes, uh, the second race on the day on Wednesday. Uh, bad Dream seven to one, Anasis ten to one, both for Charlie. Fingers crossed for him. Maybe you can even get a one-two uh, on the day, and a one-two for Andy and Rory as well. Uh, on to the Malcom, the second, sorry, the third race uh, on Wednesday, uh, the Malcom, where we've got, uh, I think, joint favourites. Yeah, Jem Chipotle and and Firby, both three to one. The pair Kaboo seven to one, Armor nine to one, Booney ten to one, uh, Mojo Maker twelve to one, fourteen to one. Bar, uh, Andy, take us away for the Mulcombe.
2: Um I think this race is very much a, a grand dependent race. Um Particularly with two-year-olds, where we've got limited sample sizes, Um I probably won't play it t- until literally the morning, and I know what the ground's going to be. Could easily dry out. We don't know with the shows. You know, this you know this country could go one way or the other. <laughs> yeah. Get more rain, then it could stay soft, and it rules out. Probably should put Chipotle, who's had poor run came in the National Stakes. Um It was a horror run through the other day as a game. In the horse so I napped at Newbury in the um, Super Sprints. I mean, thought he was a bit of a good thing, and then he got a rough run through. So they're they're out for compensation with him, but he's he's very much a fast ground horse. He moves across the fast ground really well. Soft ground's absolutely no good to him whatsoever. Um, not necessarily sure he'll be a dead runner if uh, a certain runner if if it went or stayed genuinely soft. Armor's a horse I've got a big amount of time for him. He uh, came out second best of those that raced on the far side behind Chipotle in, in the Windsor Castle. I think he's a good horse, but again, he's very much a grand dependent horse. Um, he's by No Name no, Never, so that definitely backs up that theory. The one horse who will love the conditions is Fearby. Really impressed with him the way he hit the line at Sandown the other day. He travelled really well, quickened on demand, clocked a very good time. Backed up his win at Weatherby the time before when he looked good. Um, genuine Listed Stroke Group Three performing the making. Fast five films, no problem for him. He's got because like he's got a good cruising and speed, and more important, he's got a good attitude. I do like the way he—he's he, got a great will—willness to, to 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 please. Mm. Um, so I think I at this very moment in time, he'd be the one if if I had to like if it was on soft if it was on day one it was soft, he'd definitely be the one. A lot can happen in twenty four hours. So like I say, I'm only about um, whether I'll tip in this race uh, on the morning. Um, and Swayze is the other one to be quite half-interesting. I thought well, he showed a good turn of foot when he won at Yarmouth. Um, and Martin Mead seems to have really shone in the last three or four weeks, particularly with his two-year-olds. He seems to have a decent crop of two-year-olds uh, all of a sudden coming to the fore. So, yeah, those are the two I'm looking at. Fearby, Swayze. But, yeah, for the purposes of this podcast, Fear
0: Fearby, 3-1, to one, best price at the moment with Bet Victor. That's standout, 11-4. Uh, Basically across the uh, across the other bookmakers up on Oddschecker and Swayze twenty to one best price that's a bet Victor and UniBet Rui.
1: um Yeah, I, I largely agree with again what uh, what Andy has said. It's um, uh, Chipotle definitely wants quick grind, uh, whether it's quick or not. He was on. I mean, he's only finished ninth in the Super Sprint, but he still looked unlucky, um, and he's traded one point five five and running to give you an idea for of how people thought that was going to pan out, but he got murdered twice in the race. Um, but as we saw with him um, at Ascot, um, he, he has sh- shown his best form on a, on a quick surface, and whether it's quick enough for him is another matter. Um, yeah, Fearby's the obvious one at this stage. I'm, my gut feeling is that Fearby would be a much shorter price than this. And it's the kind of horse that if he was six to four or shorter, I'd, I'd want to be against him on the basis that I thought they went very, very fast at Sandown and really set it up for him. But it obviously he's come home five lengths clear in a listed race Mm. Uh, and you can't really knock that as Andy says, the time is very good. Um, my, my gut feeling with that is he was shown off to maximum effect the way the race was run. In saying that he still has the best form to win this race anyway. And if it comes up on the soft side, there aren't too many you'd, you'd really fancy to run the race um so as i said if, if this ends up being good to soft ground on the day he's not going to be three to one he's, he's going to be uh he's not even going to be two to one he's going to be 13 to 8 7 to 4 um for this so if you're punting in it at the moment i think fearby's the one who's got the most scope to shorten up uh, i think he ends up going off a reasonably hot favorite um on the day if he does start very short i, I you know i would bear in mind that everything that happened at Sandown um, happen to, to accentuate his margin of victory, uh, and make him look good, um, so I wouldn't want to be taken too short about him, but, um, he's, he's a surprisingly big price now, um, given the, uh, the level of form in the race. I wouldn't rely on a bigger price as Nymphadora, um, who was a bit disappointing in the well, she's very disappointing in the Queen Mary, um, on the fastest ground she's raced on, but she was impressive in the, um, in the Marygate sticks at York prior to that. Uh, and that form hasn't worked out badly it, it doesn't always work out at the America it comes quite early in the season uh for a listed fillies race and there's kind of been a, a you know a mixed record there, but there have been plenty of decent horses who, who finished behind her come out and and, uh, and won since I thought she liked the good grind that day um but again I'd I'd ignore the um, the Queen Mary. I don't think that race um showed her to particular a very good effect. And she ran an absolutely huge race on her debut. Obviously, her best effort is that win in the, um, in the listed Mary Gabe But if you go back to her, her debut run, uh, where she looked very green and didn't look fit, she made most of the running and was only, uh, only faded out of it in the last um, 75 yards. She finished sixth in the end, but she looked, um, she, she arguably looked the best horse in the race. She's traded um, five to four in running. And that race has thrown up an absolute host of winners. Desert Dreamer won it in the end, and she's gone on to, to much better things since, um a ballerina lady won next time out he was second um devious angel beautiful sunshine canonized um all next time out winners as well so that's that's a really good race and i'm inclined to um to forgive nymphadora one moderate run uh, andrew balding's two-year-olds tend to improve more than most for for a debut run which nymphadora did to win at york and we seem to be she's 14 to 1 for this which seems a very mm-hmm. big price for philly who's who's getting the allowances and has won a listed race um, in good, uh, well contested this race in good style. And I thought she was probably overpriced. So, you know, I, I, that, that's who I'd be inclined. As I said, Fairbeat's the one who's too big at the moment in terms of what price he's going to start. Um, but Nymphedora's price will hold up, I think. Uh, and she could end up being the value in the race.
0: Yeah, Nymphedora 14 to 1, pretty much across the board. Hills, Bet Victor, Bet Fred, Betway, all 14 to 1 about Nymphadora. Uh, there in the third race of the day and um, the fourth race we're going to cover is the Sussex Stakes uh, the fourth race on Wednesday at Glorious Goodwood we've got Poetic Flair is the four to five favorite ahead of Snow Lantern at 13 to two alcohol free nine to one Lope Fernandez uh, 10 to one Order of Australia 12 to one uh, Tilsit is 14, 33 to one bar Andy come to you here Poetic Flair, I mean, it's impossible not to be mightily impressed with the season Poetic Flair has had, but four to five in what looks to be a, a fairly deep field, especially, well, I mean, not deep in, in terms of the whole race, but in terms of the nearest challenges. Uh, what do you make of the that price for the favourite?
2: Yeah, I mean, halfway through the season, um, he's the fastest horse that we've got on our time figures. Uh, I mean, you know, there's been some very strongly run Handicaps, group races, all the way through the season. So he flies the flag, poetic flair, with his St. James's Palace win. And uh, when he was absolutely brilliant, I must admit, I tipped my cap to him that day because I thought, you know, he he might struggle given the the, the sort of industrious campaign that Jim Bolder had um, bestowed him in the in the early part of the season. Um, I'm not sure the the form is is that great with regards what the other horses have done and, and the three-year-olds. By and large, in that category, I don't think are that great this season. I think there's been other horses that have um, looked even better. Uh, that horse of Bayeid, of, of, of William Haggis's, for instance, battered Maximal, who was fourth in the St James's Palace stakes and got beat five lengths. So, strictly on it, if you're doing a like for like, which is always um, a very spurious route to do, but it, if you mm. are comparing Parity Flyer to Bayeid, it's probably not a a huge gulf between them, but as it stands at the moment, time figure-wise, Jim three odd is three-odd is is the best in that category. My only reservation with him is, is, is if it, it stayed on the soft side. Look, he's got form on soft ground and, and high-class form at that, but it's interesting, his two defeats this season have both come on soft ground, whereas I think he's a, an absolute worldie on good to firm, because I think he can really quicken and operate on, on that surface, so For that reason I don't think he's a four to five shot under those conditions yeah he's a four to five shot if it was good to firm but I don't think he's a four to five shot on soft ground and if you throw into the equation alcohol free who won a very good coronation on soft ground snow lantern who obviously chased alcohol free home and has won since and then you chuck in the older horses such as order of australia who's now back number tilcy who's a course and distance winner and century dream who's won a course and distance winner I think this is a, race is a little bit deeper than the market would have you believe. Yeah. Um, of, and of those I've mentioned, I, I do think Tilsit is overpriced. Just because he has one at the track as well, I'm drawn to that as I talked about beforehand. I do like backing horses who've got good form in the book. And the day when he beat my Oberon, that was a good little salty little race. Um, because the the the... the I think there was a good horse of Roger Varian's in that race, which um, was made to look rather second-rate. But I did like the way he won the other day at Ascot. He beat a good field in a very fast time. Century Dream didn't hang around. And he was a good second to Skeletti the time before on soft ground at Longsham over a mile one. Um, so I don't mind the ground for him. So, yeah, I do think 14 to one's a big price for tills it. So he'd be the one I'd be looking at at this stage.
0: Yeah, 14 to 1 with Paddy Power, Betfair, Betvictor, Mansion Bet, Ten Bet and Sport Nation. So plenty of 14s around if you're looking to take on the favourite and 10 run at the moment as well. So we should be all clear in terms of getting the three places, uh, so long as there aren't the three that come out, which seems unlikely. Rory?
1: Um, Yeah, you've got to look for an each-way bet in the race uh, with 10 runners as it stands. Poetic Flair is uh, is clear on form uh, and really ought to win the race. He still have that slight concern that you know he's already had five races this season, and you wonder you know will there come a time when he he goes to the well once too often? No. I don't want to oppose him, but it's a lovely shape of a race for for an each way bet. And if you fancy Tilsit at fourteen to one on the basis of his uh, his win in the uh, in the summer mile last time out, uh then uh, with the prospect of softer ground, which wouldn't necessarily suit Tilsit, I think you've got a back century dream at forty four zero to one mm. in this. That's the wrong price. Big price, that yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, totally he's, not, agree with he's, not, he's been placed in, in Group Ones before. He's essentially a Group Two, Group Three horse, and he's got loads of form on varying ground. He, he handles heavy ground. He handles it good to firm. Um, but yeah, he's just he's just the wrong price in terms of um, in terms of his chances of hitting the frame here. Uh, he should be a twenty to one shot, um, and that that puts him you know where he deserves to be in this race. Um, and um, I would. Um, I'd very much fancy his chances of, of running into the frame. He should get the run of the race from close to the front as well. And I think at 40 to 1, I, I can't see that lasting, but it's there with a couple of firms at the moment, and that's definitely where I'd want to be.
0: Yeah, 40 to 1 with Paddy Power and Betfair Sportsbook. You eventually should be about 20 to 1, and that is the price that a few have clipped him into as well, a bit of blue and odds checker. So you're not the only two people who think that Century Dream's price at 40s is just too big um so the two to, to side with that from the guys tilts at 14 century dream at 40s against the four mm-hmm. to five odds on favorites um, there are three more races on the day on wednesday and two of them the final two uh, are not priced up they're the two phillies uh well the phillies handicap the, the 445 and then the whirlpool handicap in the last as well but there is a, a um conditions race a five final conditions race the 410 where we do have some prices so i'll read those out quickly uh, canonized is 4 to 1, Flotus 9 to 2, Anadora 6 to 1, Illustrating 6 to 1, uh, Vertiginous 6 to 1, Frankella 8 to 1, uh, Le Fay 9 to 1, 14 to 1, Bar, and hand it over to you both for any other business. So anything in that conditions race or, or a couple of horses just to circle waiting for prices to come out uh, later on, probably this evening or tomorrow, Andy.
2: Um, I quite like Percy's pride in the 445. I'll skip that two-row race just for the time being, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he ran in that good race at Haydock, um, three runs ago behind Tashcan and Chalkstream. Um, and I, I, I've been looking to get with Tashcan pretty much all season long because of the time ta- that time figure. And Chalkstream won finally when he settled at York on, on Saturday. Um, he won a chance, and then he, then, he, then he won at Ascot the other day in pretty determined fashion. But his time figures come out really well. I think he's a better horse than 84 currently affords him. I didn't think... Sorry, sheer beg your pardon. keep on him. He it's a Phillies handicap. Um, <laughs> and I don't think this is the strongest Phillies handicap that's ever been run at the track. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be more than interested in that. and Particularly if it was soft ground. Percy's Pride doesn't mind getting its toe in, so...
0: Do you have a price guide? What you'd be
1: looking to?
2: I would be looking, I'm trying to see what will be favourite. To be honest, I, th- I think probably timeless soul. I think might might be. Yeah, like, yeah, like adloise probably probably be close to the favourite. Yeah, I'd, I'd say about five, four, five to one in and around that mark.
0: Four or five to one, if, he, if it comes about for Percy's pride for Andy. But yeah. Andy, any, anything else in in the last or the one before the two? No, that's race? the
1: only one in the last three. Last three, I'm I'm interested in. Rory um in that same race um if she isn't favorite um ake or ake Lewis, um would have a decent chance she hasn't tackled the trip yet but she's bred to get it um and she battled really well to win at ask it last time out um up six pounds for that which i think is fair enough but i think the key to her might well be stepping up to a mile and a quarter for the first time uh, i'd fancy her there and i did mention right at the top of the um of the preview whether it was on or off air um in the final race, I like Epic Endeavour, like him dropping by to seven furlongs. I napped him in the International, even though I was concerned about the track at Ascot for him. Um, but he did too much over a mile at Newmarket last time out. He's been racing over a mile, uh, all three runs this season, run really well at Windsor on the second of them, but everything he's done, uh, since winning at Newbury last year over seven furlongs has suggested to me that he wants to step back to seven. He's quite a free goer, um, and although he stays a mile, I think seven will end up being his trip. Gets cheek pieces on for the first time he's drawn out in stall 16 which is which is not ideal but he's he's got a lot of early pace so i think he'll be able to take a good position um, looking at the the makeup of the race there's not a huge amount of speed inside him so i think he'll get a good early position um and the drop back to seven will suit him and he won't mind the grind still riding on the soft side so i think he's pretty solid there
0: so that is uh, epic endeavor in the last ferrari and akiloas in the penultimate race as well um, thank you both to Andy and Rory for their selections and their thoughts on this second day of Goodwood. We've already recorded day one. We'll, we'll be recording day three at some point in the very near future as well. So do keep your eyes out for that, either on any podcast platform for the Odds Checker betting show or on the OddsChecker uh, youtube channel which you should subscribe to for all the preview content and plenty of other features as well so do check that out do download the odds checker app as well for the best prices bookie offers free bets place terms and the best tips in the game including andy himself whose column is up at 9am every morning of racing uh, and fingers crossed the guys have given you a couple of winners on day one and day two so please do enjoy the racing and please gamble responsibly